good evening, folks. Uh, we have with us in the studio tonight Terry Ball, pastor of Castle Rock Baptist Church. He's been with us for uh, several Sunday nights. Uh, welcome, Terry. It's great to have you with us in the studio. Good to be back. Well, Terry, we really got a little bit uh, excited about this matter of, uh, of preaching, and we ought to. We're going to be talking about some of your spiritual heroes in the area of preaching, but just last week we were talking about the fact that preachers, pastors don't preach the way they should, and the, and the question was, well, why, why don't they? Why, why do they have these uh, warm, nice sermons that make people comfortable? What would be your uh, diagnosis of why? I think it's part of our culture, but I also think it's part of we are training men and giving them tools, and they're taking that tool, they take it to the pulpit, and they use that tool. It's a, it's, it's a talent. I don't have a talent for speaking in front of people. Never have. I don't even like crowds. So when I have to go, and, and I, I use that word, have to speak before the congregation, I still have, I'm still nervous and my hands still sweat. That is... Uh, why I believe that it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit using the vessel that is up there. Uh, There are some men out there who would classify themselves as expositors, and yet the power isn't there because they've done it. And I think that you put that into the mix, you put into the mix that everybody wants a a paid staff of ministers. You've got to keep, now you have this heart to keep these men working. Uh, so you've got to keep people coming in. You've got to keep your budget in place. Perhaps you've got a large building or perhaps you're trying to get a building uh, and you have to draw people in. And to draw people in, uh, you're going to do it. Will you compromise on the word? Well, so, so are you saying then that it's, it's really money driven in some cases or many? Cases? In some cases, I believe it is. Uh, when I look at what our church does impact as small as we are, yet a global impact uh, no one can take credit for it in our church. We don't have the resources to say that, you know, we've started nine churches in Belarus and we support them uh, monthly and have now for years and years and years. If I had a congregation of a thousand people, uh, you could say, well, yeah, you guys did good. Uh, but all we see is all I see is a group of people who have bowed before the authority uh, of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and said, here we are. Use us. You're you're an amazing person to me because of the fact that you even you have a tiny group of folks and they probably have a, a group of fifty to seventy five uh, who are part of the on a Sunday morning it'll average somewhere in there but but uh, there's an impact that goes around the world as Terry has already said and uh, and Terry does is in demand as a speaker in other parts of the country and he's going over to Russia we'll be talking about that ne- next Sunday night but it's certainly not uh, the secret is not Terry's uh, flamboyant personality or his great <laughs> abilities in preaching, but it comes from the Word of God itself. And I, I want to comment on his congregation. I have preached there several times, and it's a place where I am in the, when I'm in the Word, there's a rustling of pages as people go from text to text. It's a place, and we had a show of hands, and I said, I just went to a church where we had a show of, of people reaching up to worship God, and I said, why don't you just raise your Bible up? And it was a just a flood of Bibles raised up from 10-year-olds up to the 80-year-olds, uh, holding them in the air. They don't, they don't have pew Bibles at Castle Rock Baptist Church. They have bring your own Bible and make uh, notes and that sort of thing. These people are excited about the Word of God. Well, I want to talk about spiritual heroes in your life, Terry, in your preaching, both past and present. And uh, you gave me some names of that, of, of individuals that were a, have been a blessing to you 
through the printed word, uh, Robert uh, Murray McShane, is that his name? Yes. And uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Spurgeon. Tell me a little bit about how these great preachers have influenced your life. Foremost of any man who has influenced my life, whether he is uh, in glory at this day or whether he is still fighting the good fight, is their primary focus is the Word of God. Uh, It is not methodology. It is not a, a system. It is not a type. It is the unabashed, the unequivocal, solid preaching of the holy text. Those are the ones uh, that you see uh, that God literally shook the world with. Uh, The Scottish Reformation, the father of that was, they believe, Robert Murray McShane. His was solid biblical exposition. Uh, The man who warned that the church was on a downgrade controversy was Charles Spurgeon. He refused to back away from the Word of God. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in England warned us in the 60s, 1960s, that the church would sell out to marketing and music, and we did not heed that. And and Lloyd-Jones was uh, fairly recent, wasn't he? Didn't he pass away just a few years ago? I I believe it was in the early 80s. -hmm. Uh, What was amazing about Dr. Jones is his doctorate was not theology. He was a, a heart surgeon, considered one of the greatest heart surgeons and with the greatest diagnostic tools that possible medicine had ever seen. And he left the medicine to expound Scripture. You know, one of my favorites is uh, I did a series on the uh, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and I used Martin Lloyd-Jones, just a marvelous. Uh, it was great help to me, and I had 10 other books, but that was one of my favorites. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He does uh, has a commentary set on the book of Romans that uh, make you sit down, too. <laughs> oh, that, that's marvelous. This, of course, is are the mentoring. This is mentoring. This is a thing that that we don't understand if we say, well, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible alone, but not anybody else. But we're cutting ourselves from a mentoring from the generations of, of great Christians before us. And discipleship is the name of the game when you get right down to it. Paul had his Timothy, and we are discipled by Paul in a sense. He Absolutely. Says, follow me as I follow Christ. But certainly we ought to be also following other believers in the same fashion and look back to these great expositors. G. Campbell Morgan was one of my favorites. Uh, he's got a great series on uh, on the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, yeah. and John. And yeah. I think he taught at Westminster Chapel. He was uh, the pastor there for years. Right. Um, you know, it, it is, we've missed this uh, as the body of believers. We've We've gotten into what we want to convert everybody, evangelistic. Uh, discipleship has taken a back seat or in some cases is completely gone. Uh, we thought we would restart it with cell groups and home Bible studies, uh, mentoring. I hear that buzzword all the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of snicker because it's, well, that sort of was God's plan all along, wasn't it? Yes. And, and, and yet, um, you know, I have been mentored by um, uh, numerous men of God. Uh, and yet I have uh, two precious elders, uh, Willie and Tom, who help me. They come in once a week and explain to me and, and critique my sermons. And, and did I miss something or should I have stayed longer or gone or whatever? And, and they help me. But one of the things that you have to be a, be a clear of is that if you're truly seeking the things of God, then it is a man of absolute humility, which means regardless of a person's spiritual maturity, they have something 
that God has brought for you and learn from them. Uh, I had a, early in my ministry, I had a tremendous passion for prayer, and I found myself away from it. And God brought you back into my life mm-hmm. as a prayer coordinator, and, uh, and, and God, to use the right words, God got on me. Got, and got, he says, you're not talking to me as much. Got a <laughs> kick in the rear end. Huh? Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, isn't it, uh, wasn't it Peter Denica? and we'll be talking about him next week, uh, who started the Slavic Gospel Association, but uh, he had a theme there on when I looked up on the website that was prayer, the power of prayer. Just, yeah, much prayer, much power. Yes, isn't that a, a great statement? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, there's, there's not an anointing in the pulpit today because pastors are prayerless. Absolutely. Pastors will teach on prayer, convict others on prayer, uphold prayer but they won't pray yeah, we, we had a we've had a tough time we went for about five years trying to get pastors to go off into the mountains to pray and uh we tell them we're going to be up there from monday noon to about thursday noon what three whole days what what do you do uh we just prayed i mean it was a people of god meeting together the pastors and leaders and and just seeking the face of god together and it has transformed my life terry corporate prayer Getting together to pray with the people of God has transformed my entire life. I think for men, it is difficult. Uh, I, I share when people are preparing to marry in our fellowship, if, if the couple comes together, that the most intimate thing that a husband and wife can have is prayer. And the reason that I say that is, is that the man has to go into the throne room of God and all of his bragging and his confidence and, and everything that he is strong at ain't there. It, it, it doesn't exist. God is my all in and my all. And if I don't have that, I'm going to go into the throne of God and tell him what. All right. And so if I go into prayer with my, my precious wife, you know, I'm exposed for who I am and all of my mm-hmm. frailties and all of my inadequacies and, and all of the things that make me the, the human that I am. So you don't come into the presence of the throne of God and try to fake it then, is that correct? <laughs> you, you, you can try. <laughs> you might get struck dead. That's, that's right. Didn't uh, Eli's boys try to do that one time? Um, I think about uh, the Apostle Paul uh, when he was writing. You see it. I see him writing in a number of his letters and his passion for his prayer for his people uh, and the people that he has ministered with. And I wonder if we really understand that impact. Paul prayed for the people. He had a heart for the church. I have a little prayer book that I carry around with me of everybody in our fellowship and who they're trying to reach and salvation. I don't, I'm not an evangelist and yet I beg for souls. There are a number of souls that I just flat out beg for. Just pray them into the kingdom. That's it. And God, if it be your will, use me. If not, I'm going to stay on my knees on behalf of that person. That, that means so much to the congregation. You know, the pastors, uh, not just saying I'll pray for you, but they don't do it. And I, I have found that in my contact with people, and I'm no longer a pastor, but even at the church I attend, I'll just stand with somebody there and put my hand on his shoulder and pray for his wife who's sick, or, and rather than just saying, I'll do it and forget about it, I just <clears throat> pray for him right there. I prayed over the phone the last five years more than I did in my entire life before then. Paul, writing the church in Philippi in chapter 1, says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all. I had the privilege uh, a few weeks ago or a few months ago to uh, be on Mount Arabel, which overlooks the Sea of Galilee. Most believe that that's where the Great Commission was given, uh, and then he ascended to heaven. 
and it was in the spring, um, and uh, the wildflowers is, were there, and that text came to my mind. I had my little prayer notebook there, and I had the privilege and the joy to pray for everyone in our fellowship on top of Mount Arabelle overlooking the Sea of Galilee. That's, a, that's just a beautiful little story. Uh, let, let's uh, kind of we'll pull these things together with uh, several more questions that I want to ask you about uh, these individuals that you have uh, have influenced your life. How, how were these people? I'll throw out some questions, and then you can answer whichever you want to. But these spiritual heroes from both the past and the present, how are or were they different from others? What is or was their spiritual passion? How does one model oneself after these men? Wow. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, I believe the thing that is, is consistent with all of them is their, their love for the Word of God. Expository preaching is exposing the Word of God. If I'm exposing the Word of God, I'm exposing men and women to who their Creator is. I had a friend tell me one time that the Bible is 66 love letters from God to his people. Yes. And, and we expose that to him. So whether it is Robert Murray McShane, whether it is Stephen Olford, whether it is John MacArthur, uh, they all, their passion is to expose the people. To mentor, to, to model these guys, there's a, also an underlying thing that I've seen in my study, whether it is uh, biographical uh, of Charles Spurgeon or of McShane, my uh, dealings with John MacArthur and Dr. Olford, is all four of those, and even uh, Dr. Jones, all f- five uh, had a place in their life where God brought them to absolute humility. They bowed in that humility and said, uh, uh, kind of like Isaiah, here I am, send me. That's missing today. There, there are men, you know, when Charles Spurgeon was asked, why was he privileged to teach to 10,000 four times a week? And he said, uh, at my salvation, I was not ashamed to take off my shoes and socks and roll up my pants and cross the creek to preach to the one. And, and yet I see men in today who, uh, if it isn't a certain format or a certain criteria, they're not going to do it. Well, you've got to have, uh, to be in ministry, you've got to have a, a shepherd's heart. And I'm afraid we hire these, if, yeah, in the big churches, we're hiring people to care for us, right. to care for the people. So the pastor then becomes really more just the administrator, casting a vision, raising money, Absolutely. and maybe squeeze in a couple hours on Saturday night to prepare his message for Sunday morning. And the, and the Sunday morning message ends up being what, what Vance Havner, Havner called a, a sermonette. Absolutely. And uh, Havner said a sermonette is is given by preacherettes and end up with Christianettes. John MacArthur said it this way, that the church in America today has a spiritual case of AIDS, has no ability to defend itself because the whole congregation has no clue what the Scripture says, nor the person of the Scripture. So, and he lays the burden solely on the preacher. So we're, we're biblically illiterate, as our congregations are largely. Is that correct? Large, largely congregation. The, uh, the American congregation, I believe, is, is biblically illiterate. Mm. Uh, I mean, they may know the Old Testament, New Testament. But, but I, and I know some people who've memorized Scripture and do a phenomenal job. But do they have no idea what does that mean? Well, that's something that uh, we, we may pick up next Sunday night as we go into our final segment. And next week, we're going to be asking the question, what is God doing in Russia? And, of course, we'll be talking about local churches as well as just 
what we can do in that part. But I want to thank you for coming out tonight and uh, sharing your heart with us, Terry. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.